Well, last week, uh, as we were getting ready to worship the Lord, um, one of those um, things happened right before church. Our computer dies. And um, it was, uh, it, it's tough, you know, when, when things don't go according to plan. Because if you know me, I really do like to make things according to plan. When my wife was pregnant with our first child, we were going up to Mankato to do some errands, and on the way, we said we were going to stop by Red our Applebee's to uh, get her some lunch because she was pregnant, and obviously, you need something to eat when you're pregnant, and obviously, I'm going to be a good supportive husband and eat with her, so we were going to stop at Applebee's, but I like to have a plan, and we had a couple errands we needed to stop at, and, and so I... I made this plan, and I said, okay, we're going to go this. I said, honey, if we do this first, do this second, and we hit this, we can hit Applebee's, and boom, we're on our way home. Okay, that sounds good. About 10 minutes later on the way, she says, honey, baby need to eat. And uh, I said, yeah. I said, but we got a plan. And she goes, no. I meant now. Well, let's just say my plans didn't go according to the way I wanted it, and, uh, and we end up eating. There's another part of that story which I won't mention because I'm still working through the forgiveness part of it, but hey, she took some of my wings, that's all I'm going to say. Um, but I like to have things on the plan, and, and this morning, I had everything planned. It was great. Everything was going to go according to plan. And it's not that it wasn't Holy Spirit inspired, it's not that it wasn't something I wasn't, you know, just wanting to do. It was something that I prayfully said, okay, Lord, this is what, you know, I had, and this is what we're going to do. And God says, that's great, but I got a different plan. So it, it, it changed things up a little bit. So this morning, we are going to talk first before we get into our time of worship, because I think it really is going to help us in our understanding of who we are worshiping. Last year, about this time, about Thanksgiving time, I wrote a book. Um, it's called, What If Genesis 1 Was Correct? And if you don't have a copy, I'll, I'll make sure I get you a copy. What if Genesis 1 was correct? And the whole ideal of it was simply this. I wanted to defend God's word against our modern understanding of the universe. Now, that alone in a Christian scholarly realm are fighting words. Because there are many different views about creation. It is one of the most divisive things in the Christian scholarly realm where people talk about creation. And it got to the point where most people try to be very political about it, you know, saying that there are a lot of people with a lot of great intelligence and wisdom and all this stuff that, that have different views of Scripture, and that's okay as long as it's consistent with the Word of God. And we just kind of leave it alone. We, we don't want to touch it because it really is a divisive subject and I think there's a reason for that, and that will be evident in Genesis 3, where the devil comes and he tries to corrupt God's word. He's been doing this ever since the garden. So I wrote this book, and, and, and I am you know, not a scholar, but I do love to research and to look into things, and I wrote it with, with just this burning question that the Holy Spirit asked me. What if Genesis 1 was correct? Now to me, those are fighting words, right? Because to me, it's like, okay, Holy Spirit, you're challenging what I believe and what I, because I had a pretty good understanding of Genesis. You know, I'm very confident in what I know. So I started to look into it. 
And I, for a month, all I did was write a book. I mean, it was, it was so bad that I was up. One day, I was literally up 24 hours a day just reading and reading and reading and doing and studying and writing notes and changing, just going over and over again. It was so bad. Like I said, I was up for 24 hours a day, and the next day, my girl says, Dad, you remember you promised you are going to take us to Mankato today and go shopping? I'm like, okay. It was a long day, and when I got home after being up for 24 straight hours, I went back to work on the book. I mean, it was just, I was, it was like nothing I ever did before, and it was awesome. And I'll tell you, it was literally the easiest thing I ever wrote. But what came after was a very difficult process of editing. And that's where Lisa came in so great. I was so grateful for Lisa because she, she did something that, that was just phenomenal. And she helped me change my, she helped me understand how to write better. And she corrected what I was trying to say and challenged, you know, my thoughts and really helped me. To, to do it, and I, I am in debt to you. I do appreciate it. But I had to get it out. And because it was burning in my heart. And, and I wrote it, we printed it, and there are still errors in it, and I understand that, and I go back and I correct them, and so the, the digital copy is up to date if I ever want to reprint it. But I had to get it out. It was burning in my heart, this idea that if, what if Genesis 1 was correct? Because it really is about God's Word. And so I got this book out, and, and, you know, and, and, and I don't know why I wrote it, to be honest. It wasn't like we could afford it. It wasn't like things were going that well where I could say, hey, let's just write a book. It's, it's a costly process. But I wrote it because it was burning in my heart. I gave it to a friend. I'm handing it out. I gave it to a friend. And they said to me, you know, thanks for the book. Appreciate it. There are some things I agree with, some things I don't. And I'm like, great. Because, see, I believe this, that if you, if you have a position on Scripture and you disagree with me, that's okay. Because I'm not all-knowing. I know that you guys think I am, but I'm not. I'm really not. I just really love to study Scripture. And there are things that, that I want to make sure that I'm seeing it right. Because when I started getting into this creation stuff, you know, I did not go with Christian scholars on this. I actually went with the worldly scholars of what they thought about the universe, what they thought about the, the foundation of how we got our understanding. And I was studying Isaac Newton. I was studying Nicholas Copernicus. I was studying people that were writing stuff back then and what they thought of it and how they dealt with it and how Galileo believed this and then he had to recant and, and all the people like Bruno who's going around and preaching all this stuff. I mean, I was studying people back then because how many know that, that history is written by the winners? That people who write history want you to know what they want you to know. Just like whenever you do any news searches on the internet, right? You want to find out what's the news and what really happened, what's going on. How many know that the results that you get are the results that they want you to see? Those things are just the way it is. People want to manipulate you. People want to craft and shape your opinion. Just like back in the riots in 2020. We didn't hear too much about Portland and Seattle, but we sure did hear when George Floyd lost his life. See, because it shapes it. So anyways, I don't want to go too far off because I'm trying to stay focused. I had to rewrite some notes to help me stay focused. But I am very excited and get excited about this idea that what if Genesis 1 was correct. So I started to research, started to go through, wrote this book, got it out. My friend gave, gave it to my friend. He, um, 
He says, there's some things I agree with, some things I don't. But I wanted to know, what, what don't you agree with? Not because I want to prove you wrong, because I want to make sure that what I believe is on Scripture. I want to believe that it's sound. I just don't want to believe something because someone told me. I want it to be scripturally sound. And, and so, because like I said in the book, if you have a belief, if you have a, uh, something that you believe that's from the Word of God, defend it. Because I'll tell you, it will always be attacked by this world. Our beliefs. Our beliefs in God, our beliefs in Jesus, our beliefs as family, our beliefs as, as people, and what the moral conduct should be will always be attacked by this world. So you have to defend what you believe. You have to stand your ground. And so I asked him, I says, well, you know, you know, what about this? What about that? And, and you know, we kind of going back and forth. Finally, he said this. He said, I know what I know because of the Bible. But I also know what I know because of what I learned. Because of what I learned. And that stuck with me because what is the Bible to us? What is the Bible to you? You see, we approach things as a Christian. We approach things as someone who understands that this is God's word. We approach things as a Christian, but there are many people, even in the church, that simply believe the Bible is just a piece of literature that gives us wisdom and helps us with the philosophy of life to, to understand why we're here. As Galileo once said, you know, the Bible teaches me how to go to heaven. It does not teach me how the heavens go. But the Bible is more to me than that. It is God's word. It is his breath. So, so what does the Bible mean to you? This is something that I wrote in a statement about defending my beliefs of Scripture. And I wrote this. It says this. The Bible is God's word. It is a collection of writings where God took the initiative to make himself known to his creation. And all Scripture is inspired by God. It speaks on many different topics. When the Bible mentions things of history, it is accurate. When the Bible mentions things of nature, it is accurate. Only when it comes to things of science do we have to change the natural reading of the text to fit a modern scientific view. When interpreting the Word of God, we should let the Bible stand on its own, no matter what science, human knowledge through observation and experimentation, ever claims no matter what science ever claims i firmly believe every word of god proves true now this is my stance this is what i believe about the bible because i don't take man's word over what god said and god said some pretty interesting things and if you look through the story of creation it really is hard to hold what god said compared to what we've been taught about the universe that we live in. So what is the Bible? To me, it's God's Word. To me, it is all inspired of Him. It is His breath. It is living. It is active. And I believe it is something you can trust. And I want to tell you today that I trust the Bible. And I'm also going to tell you that I do not trust the foundation of science that has been given to us. You see, when I wrote the book, it really is kind of the surface. Remember the story of the Titanic? And we're told that this little bitty 
thing sticking out of the water sunk this great massive ship. Because it's not the little bitty thing that you see. It's really the foundation of what happened underneath. It was the ice that was underneath that caused the Titanic to, sh to sink. And this book is kind of like the iceberg. It's just kind of the on top of the end result. Because the foundation, the reason why I wrote the book, goes deeper. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to give you just a glimpse of one example why I do not trust science and why I trust the Word of God. This morning on the screen, you see a picture of two individuals. They are gods, Thoth and Hermes. Thoth on your left, Hermes on your right. The one on the left is from Egypt. His name is Thoth, T-H-O-T-H. He was the god of the moon, wisdom, writings, the god of science, the god of magic, the god of art, and the god of judgment. This is who you see all inscripted and stuff on Egypt's hieroglyphics and all that stuff and on their pyramids and everything. That's Thoth. Hermes is the Greek god. And his function was he was a messenger of gods. His father was Zeus, but he was known as a divine trickster. He was known in Roman mythology as Mercury. Like I mentioned in the books, that all of our planets are named after Roman and Greek gods. He was Mercury. He was Hermes. These two gods, over time, became known as one. Because in the Egyptian culture, Thoth was one god. But in the Greek culture, in the Roman culture, he was another god. And they became known as Hermes Trismegistus. This is kind of the end result of combining the two. So when you're talking about Hermes Trismegistus, what you're really talking about is Thoth. Because it's the same thing. Whether it's Thoth or Hermes, it's the same thing. And, and Trismegistus simply means, it simply means that it is Thoth, the great, the great, the great. Hermes, the Greek equivalent of Thoth, and Trismegistus is the great, the great, the great thrice great. So if you would pronounce Hermes Trismegistus, it basically means Hermes the great, the great, the great, or Thoth the great, the great. So that we're talking about the same God, whether it's Egyptian or, or in Greek. Now this individual, this God, was known, and when I refer to God, I have no problem calling him a God because it's a lower G. And people say, people sometimes get uncomfortable with that. You know, we want to say, well, it was just a false idol. or No. What's the first commandment God gave us? You shall have no other gods before us. You see, that's why we serve the Most High God. We serve the one who is above all these things. And so when people were looking at these things, Thoth and Hermes, they weren't looking at it as just a, a model or an idol or something that was fake. They believed that the spirit of this entity, this God, would enter this image, this idol, this relic. They really did believe that these were gods. And if you don't understand this, just go and do a real good reading of Psalm 82, and you're going to see that these gods tried to overtake God, and God dealt with them. 
And we also know that there was this other false god named Lucifer who tried to even become like God and raise his throne and sit on the Most High's throne. But he was cast down. So Hermes Tris Trismegistus is this god who is Hermes the Great, the Great, the Great. He was known as the god who taught people like Moses. So when people in, in antiquity... My wife doesn't like that word because there's a lot of people that use this word antiquity, just basically the old times. So people back in the old days, they would simply look at Hermes Trismegistus and believe that he was such a great God that he would teach people like Moses. He even taught people like Jesus because he was the God of wisdom. He was the God of science. He was the God of magic. Now what... A lot of you do not know, and you probably never learned this in the public education, is that you cannot separate science and magic during the scientific revolution, during the Renaissance, during the dark periods, during the middle, uh, uh, medieval days. You cannot separate magic and science. They go hand in hand. Trismegustus was known, like I said, for wisdom, science, and magic, and art. And during the Renaissance period, 14th century through the 17th century, Hermes Trismegistus, he was very popular. His writings became more aware, and, and they were able to translate them, and they had copies of them, and they influenced a lot of the great people that we would call scientists of the day. Hermes also believed, he was also believed to teach people the secret art, the art, the craft of alchemical, or to be an alchemy, of uh, alchemy. And alchemy was simply basically taking base metals and turning it into gold. And if you wanted to learn how to do that, you had to seek his wisdom. Now, one of the students who followed the teachings of Hermes, Trismegustus, was a young scientist, and this is what he wrote. It says, in the middle of everything, in the middle of everything is the sun. For the sun is called the lantern of the universe. It's mined by others. It's ruler still by others. A visible God, the all-seeing. Thus indeed, as though seated on a royal throne, the sun governs the family. Someone who was interested in the teachings of Hermes, someone who was interested in this teaching, put it in his document that was released in 1543 on page 32. His name was Nicholas Copernicus. the one who developed the heliocentric system that we are taught. Helios was the Greek god of the sun. Helios, centristic, the sun god in the middle. And this is what Nicholas Copernicus put down on page 32. In the middle of everything is the sun, for the sun is called the lantern of the universe, its mind, its rulers, a visible God. And who said this? 
If you look in that box, you'll see Trismegustus, Hermes, thrice great. Nicholas Copernicus, the one who turned astronomy on its head, the one who took the earth from the middle and put the sun, the visible God, is referencing in his scientific paper Hermes, the thrice great. Nicholas Copernicus is referencing a false god and said it is a visible god. It is the all-seeing eye. It is the one that we look to and it deserves the best place in our universe at the center. I do not believe and trust science, I should say. I don't trust science. And the reason why is because if a man is willing to look at paganistic materials and to believe someone who is a paganistic God, do you think he's going to teach us the truth? Do you think he's going to teach us the truth? So what do we believe? Now, you can believe whatever you want. I'm not, I'm not telling you how to believe or what to believe. But I'm going to believe the Bible. Because you know what the Bible says? That our God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should change his mind. And that when he speaks, he acts. And when he promises, he fulfills. Our God never lies. And according to Proverbs 30, that every word of God will prove true. According to 2 Timothy 3.16, there is all scripture is God breathed. And yet man wants to say, no, it doesn't. All of this came about because Someone challenged me on my thoughts about what the Bible says. Because you know what the Bible says? That I set the earth upon its foundation and it shall not move. And yet, what are we taught from someone who believes in Hermes thrice great? That the sun is the one at rest and we move. Later on in history, you're going to come across a man named Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein, who did not believe in God. He did not believe in a personal God. And he says that if there's anything that I do believe, it's science that tells me what I believe. And Albert Einstein said that I've come to understand this, that there is no way we can ever prove the earth moves few years later, Hubble, Edwin Hubble comes along. And you know what Edwin Hubble said? He says, by my observation, the earth is at rest. But this cannot be. This is a horrible thing. We cannot accept this, that the earth is in a unique position in the universe, and it's there right in the middle, and this whole thing goes around us. Edwin Hubble says, this is horrible, and we cannot accept it. Stephen Hawking one of the great minds of our time, they tell us, said this, that the systems between the earth at rest or the heaven or the sun at rest, those two systems, you can use either one and it makes our observations the same. You see, I don't trust science because I believe this, that the foundation in which it builds upon is a lie. 
I don't believe someone who, who does not trust what God said. I trust what God said. Because how many know that his word has always been proven true? You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. What are you saying? I'm saying, read the book. I'm saying, read the Bible. Then read my book. I'm saying, listen, I mentioned things in here about our earth that is not possible with the system that they do. And if you didn't know this about Nicholas Copernicus, I wouldn't blame you because no one teaches us this thing. No one teaches us this. It wasn't until recently, back in the 40s, when the Royal Society finally released all of Isaac Newton's personal notes, the one who, the one who gave us the theory on gravity, Back in the 40s, they finally released his personal notes. Do you know that he had the majority, over a million words of handwritten notes, was all about the magic of alchemy. It was all about his hermeneutic or hermeneutic teachings, which is based on Hermes, the thrice great, Thoth, the Egyptian god. And, and there's a great book written back in the 80s called Isaac Newton, The Last Great Sorcerer. Where did Isaac Newton get his idea about gravity? He got it from the Emerald Tablet, which was believed to be written by Hermes the Thrice Great. And in there, it talks about the earth force that holds us. Back when Isaac Newton released his theory about gravity, you know what they said? It sounds demonic. This force out there. We know that God created the heavens and the earth. What's this force? Where did he get that from? The Emerald Tablets, which were written by Hermes Thrice the Great, believed to be written by him. You see, all of this stuff, and why do I say all this stuff? I was not planning to tell you this, guys. I wasn't. I mean, who wants to come out in in the world and say, hey, guess what? Everything we learned about uh, astronomy is wrong. Everything we've been taught is wrong. Based upon people who believe in false gods. But why? Why? If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 47. Why? Why would I say this? Well, because I believe God was wanting me to say it this morning. Psalm 47. The Bible says this, Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joys. For the Lord... Most high is awesome. The king over all the earth. He subdues the nation under his, under us, people under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid the shouts of joy. The Lord amid the soundings of trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praise. Sing praises to our king. Sing praise for God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a, pray, a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nation. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nation assemble as the people of God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. We serve the God who is most high and he is seated upon his throne. It's not the sun that's in the middle. It's God. It's not the thing that they see as a visible God. It's the one who created that thing. Because on day four, God says that he created two great lights. He created the sun. He created the moon. Those 
those lights on that day, on day four, it was not the first thing that brought light to the earth. It was only on day four when it came about. Why? Because God is wanting us to know he's the most high. It's not those things, just like he warned us in Deuteronomy. He says, don't look to the moon and the stars and the heavenly bodies. Don't worship those things. They're nothing. They're simply a little light that I've given you so you can praise me here on earth. I'm above all things. He is God most high. Who do you praise this morning? I'm not going to praise someone who doesn't believe in God. I'm not going to praise in someone who thinks that they have learned some secret knowledge from Foth of Egypt. I'm going to praise the one who is never alive, never been proven false. And when my God speaks, you better believe it's the truth. I'm going to praise my God. I'm going to praise the God that has been revealed to us through Scripture. And I'll tell you this, the moment God has lied to me in Scripture, I'll stop believing him. The moment he has lied to me, the moment when his word is not true, I'll stop believing him. But I'll tell you, I've been reading this thing over and over again, and I cannot find one thing that has ever been wrong in Scripture. Now, we may interpret things wrong. We may misinterpret words, and we may have scholarly debate on it. But I'll tell you, his word is true. And the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It wasn't this thought who believed he could extend through the life and never die. It was the one who is eternal that wrote the word of God. I say this because our world today has been attacked over and over again, belittling the power and the authority of Scripture our world has attacked and has made the Bible. It has marginalized the Bible. It has put it on the sideline. Because if you don't, if you, if creation is wrong, then why would you believe anything else in the Bible? You know what scientists say? Let us do our job. Let us discover the greatness of this universe. And if you want religion, if you need a little philosophy, you go read that Bible and get good things from it. But when you need to know the truth, you come to us. How dare they put themselves above my God. He is most high. I do not believe in man's understanding. I do not believe in man's wisdom and man's th thoughts and theology. I believe in God. And I believe with every bone in my body that every word from God proves true. That's who I worship. That's who you worship. I know it is. Because he is the God most high. Not a son S-U-N, not a false teacher, but God most high. And let me tell you something. Maybe Nicholas Copernicus didn't get to the very end of the Bible because it says this in Revelation 21, when John sees the very end results, it says this, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty, the Lamb, are its temple. The city doesn't need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. It is Jesus Christ who is at the very center of our life. He is the lamp of the universe. He is the true light that we follow. That's the God that I worship. That's the God that you worship. I'm not here trying to preach my philosophy or my thoughts because there are many people that will disagree with me and I have no problem with that. Some people even say that I'm crazy or I'm nuts because I believe that God's word is true. It don't matter. I'm a Lions fan. I'm already nuts. <laughs> Come on.
but I believe my God. And I believe his word. 